Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. <laughs> Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. I've got an amazing guest today. We are going to talk about growing your business without getting a ton more clients. Uh, son of the fundamentals of marketing. I've got a guy that has helped, you know, million dollar business become two, three, four million dollar businesses. And he's very, very expensive. So you're lucky to be listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Ferris, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And before we get started, of course, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to prove your expertise, to prove that you can do what you do, is through Video Case Stories. Learn 50 ways to use Video Case Stories by going to VideoCaseStory.com. Uh, Brad, Anchor yes. Advisors, 20 years in business. Yes. Oh, man. I don't I, – I, now, let's tell me how you got into the consulting and coaching business for agencies because it's i mean it's hot now there's a lot of them out there but 20 it's years ago there more than there used to be <laughs> i i actually started life as an engineer awesome and uh and the problem i had was that i could design exactly what the marketing guys were asking me for and it wouldn't sell it wouldn't be a success and the way engineers think is Oh, well, those marketing guys, they don't know what they're doing. I got to go figure that part out, too, and do the marketing for them, right? And so I started hanging out with the marketing folks and figured out that I had to learn accounting because that was the language of business. So I learned a little accounting, learned a little marketing, and kind of turned into, like, the nerd that spoke business or the business guy that spoke nerd and uh, ended up part of a team that was buying businesses, Um which was just an amazing experience to start looking at what people care about when they buy a business. And it's, it, you know, it's not what you think it is. It's not, you know, your reputation or how great you are. It's, it's about your systems and your processes and your, you know, do you have clients that are coming back time and time again? And what kind of cash flow do you create? And so once I saw that, I kind of couldn't unsee it. And so when I left that firm, I ended up going out on my own and looking for small business clients. I was kind of switching sides of the table. So working for the people that we were buying instead of the, the people that were doing the buying. And my first couple of clients were agencies. And I, I, I just love the agency business, smart, creative people, kind of an easy way to make money compared to making widgets. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. We've been 20 years in that niche. Nice. And I mean, you've seen the niche evolve yeah. Has has what people are looking for in buying agencies and businesses evolved? Well, it's interesting because agencies agencies are hard to buy because there's so much that's tied up in the owner and, and the owner's relationships, which is why these um, big mega holding companies are the way that most people are exiting. Now, over time, that's changed a little bit because marketing has gotten so fragmented. You know, there's... 50 different types of services that people call marketing. And so that's been the big change is it's not like the marketing agency. It's like the web agency and the design firm and the branding firm and the digital marketing firm and the PPC firm. And those are all different specialties now. And 
now i mean yeah we've got these big conglomerates looking to roll up agencies i know yeah. and and that's a big thing you know i've, I've seen that a lot and it's, it's it's you know drifted into other businesses mm-hmm. are they looking for like are they looking for niched agencies more so yes definitely um there are a lot of roll-up plays that are looking well let's split it out so in the digital marketing arena where you've got a lot of monthly recurring revenue there are tons of people that are trying to roll up big piles of that monthly recurring revenue when you buy businesses you buy a multiple of cash flow and so smaller businesses sell at a lower multiple so they might buy it at a four to five multiple but if they get a big enough pile of it they can sell it at an eight to ten and then they can double their 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 money so there's a lot of that going on in the monthly recurring revenue space in the in the more traditional agency space it's still the the holding companies there are some places where people are looking to build a more nationwide network and so they're looking for offices in various places so there's some of that going on gotcha and you you know as these agencies are looking to grow their cash flow i think that was interesting we talked about it before you know, because most the instinct is to go acquire as many clients as possible. Yeah. I think that's where, you know, I think that's every business's instinct <laughs> is, you know, let me go out and get more, 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 more leads, more business. And, but you say that's not the best way necessarily to grow your expert business or your agency. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who have tried this, what happens when you go from 10 clients to 20 clients? especially the the leaders of the firm or at least even if it's just the account team as you start to spread them across more clients it's it's just like you're selling more and more fractions of your brain right and so yeah it, it's harder and harder to keep track of clients as you get beyond about 20. and and so if you're really going to make an impact on your clients which is what gets them to come back and what gets them to pay higher fees it's better to have a fewer number of clients that are bigger in revenue as you grow. And so what we talk about is take your top three clients from last year, average those, and make that the new floor. That's what you're looking for out in the world. And so as you add new clients, you're adding them bigger than the ones you had in the past, and then you're letting go of some of those smaller clients. And that's how you're going to grow your agency most successfully. It's the... <laughs> But it's the it's the first time I, I've heard that. And I mean, obviously, I've been talking to agency consultants and whatever and, you know, know a lot of people in the space. But simple isn't always easy, right? That's right. <laughs> what's, what's really great about that simple um, exercise is you take those top three clients and you average them and you say, let's say that they each of them spent $50,000 with you last year. And so you're like, okay, every client this year has to be over $50,000. The first thing that comes back from the owner is she says, well, then we got to be looking at a whole different marketing plan because that's a different group of people than the ones that were paying $10,000 a month to us. Bingo. Exactly. You're going to shift your marketing now so that that's the new target market. And as you're aiming up there, now you're going to start attracting more of those. And, and you have the case studies. You've done it. So you can demonstrate your expertise for that. But what you have to do is to is to target those clients and, and market in a different way. Yeah. And I, I like how you said case studies, or you can get video case stories. Shameless plug. Case studies are amazing when you're selling any kind of expertise business as a bottom of the funnel thing. So you've brought people in, they've talked to you. They're like, I like this person. They're, this person can really solve our problem. But there's that niggling doubt in the back of their mind. Like, is this person taking me in? 
And so some, that's where some case studies really help push people across the line. And particularly if you have a couple of case studies that are very close to what that person wants to buy from you. And that's why having kind of a, a broad spectrum of case studies is key. I love it. So we're going to send you a check. Um, <laughs> a big one because I'm not cheap. <laughs> you're not cheap. <laughs> but, okay, so let's come back to the not cheap part because I think that people undervalue themselves and you're talking about raising their prices. Yes, um, I am. And, I, you know, we talk, let's get to the magic question, first of all, of your I, perfect client because yeah. I, think, I, I think this is where it starts. Um, so how would you identify your perfect client that someone you could really help? So in the, in the um, sort of the, the initial interview time, the, the, the discovery call, one of the questions, we'll, we'll talk to them about their goals. What are you trying to accomplish over the next 12 months? And then I say, okay, so let's imagine that it's 12 months from now and you're looking back at these goals and you, you're saying, Brad, I, I, I didn't get it done. I, I didn't accomplish the goals that I had in front of me. Why would that be? What, what would have caused you not to make your goals if it's a year from now? And if, if their answer starts with, well, I dot, dot, dot. In other words, they realize that they're the thing that's most likely holding back the growth in their business. That's someone that I can help. Because what I've recognized over and over again is that in most cases, it is the agency owner that's holding back the growth. And if they realize that, then we can work on it. Right. But if, if, if their answer to me is, oh, well, my team screwed up or, you know, the market wasn't there, or, you know, we didn't get the message out. Well, then they're still in the process of kind of blaming other people and looking for other people that are at fault. And they're probably not yet ready to make the growth that they need to make. And, you know, I, I I'm going to set this up because I think, you know, pricing, like you said, you raising your pricing is and raising your prices and getting the bigger clients is one of the keys to your growth strategy but it once again it seems simple but not easy why why do agencies and any business have a tough time raising their prices so money is this weird thing (laughs) when you get money inside someone's head it just starts bouncing around in weird ways and uh people that are perfectly comfortable asking for a ten thousand dollar a month retainer when they go to ask for a 20 or twenty five thousand dollar a month retainer ugh. Like, it all seizes up inside of them. And, and part of that is because they know that they're, when they're asking for a $20,000 a month retainer, the expectations are going to be higher, right? They need to make a bigger impact on their client's business in order to earn that higher retainer. Yes. The secret to this, when you ask for that bigger number, the client also expects that you're going to make a bigger impact. They have more respect for you. They're going to help you to succeed because they know that like they're, they have more this expectation that this great thing is going to happen once they sign this deal. And so you can actually um, kind of collaborate with your client at creating this higher level of expectation and then delivering at that higher level. But that's, that's people really get kind of wrapped up in their heads about, oh my gosh, people would never sign for $20,000. Well, that's, that's because you wouldn't sign for twenty. It's not because there are lots of agencies out there that have fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollar retainers. So yeah, you know, people do it. <laughs> yeah, people do it. No, I mean, I know lots of agencies that have that fifty, sixty thousand dollar a month retainer, and yeah. everyone's shooting at them. Now, you know, like you said, is is this getting to, like let's say we're at two thousand a month and we want to get to twenty thousand a month? 
and retainer, whatever your expert business or your agency yep. is, is that something you do overnight or is it something that takes time? Like you said, like, is it every year we're going up 5,000? So yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at those top three clients and take that average and say, that's, that's who I'm looking for, right? That's my new minimum. Immediately, you're like, oh, I have to market differently. I have to put myself out in the world differently. I need to offer different services in order to attract those higher level retainers. And so it takes, it takes some time to work through that and get your rhythm in that, you know, doing that marketing and making those offers. But once you start making that rhythm, then the next year, you got to say, okay, where's the next level up? And, and some, of it is, <laughs> some of it is as easy as, Going into those top three clients and looking for what other businesses there to pick up, you know, it's so much easier to add business on to clients you already have. And so it's not like every new client that you bring on, they're going to be $20,000 the first month. You might do a couple projects, but you're doing a couple projects knowing that you said to them, I'm looking for clients that are going to spend $200,000 on marketing this year. Is that you? Right? And so it, it does, you can make some big leaps, but... It's not like you get $10,000, $20,000 a month retainers in one month. It takes time then to work yourself into those. Gotcha. And I want to talk about that because I think your marketing strategy, once again, is simple but straightforward. And most people aren't doing it. They're going the wrong way when it comes to building that. But before we get to that, you know, um, in an expert business like yourself where you're consulting slash coaching and, you know, it, it's this, you know, because, I mean, there, there's some of that like in us in video agencies, it's like, Hey, we're helping you get videos, but we're not driving you leads. Your right. business is going to grow. Right. But if you do the right thing, same right. thing with, I mean, same thing with you, right? It's like, yeah, if you do what I say, your, your business will grow. It's not, and a lot of people don't. How do you demand that level of money? Is it, is it just through the case studies or how, how do you, how did you get to that point to being the most expensive out there? <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I do is that I want people to experience the value of the service before I ask them for money. And so I'm often having three, four, five phone calls with people to really invest some time in understanding what the problem is and what the solution is they're looking for, and even giving away some value right up front. And the reason I do that is that if I don't, if I'm just making a proposal, then, then I'm making you a promise, and you're going to discount what you're willing to pay based on the risk involved in that promise. Does that make sense? Like a hundred percent. If, if so, if you're like, I bet this guy could make a hundred thousand dollar difference for me, but I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll pay him 20. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you've seen it, if you've experienced it, if you, if you, if you, you know, in addition to the case studies, the case studies got you to continue in having the four or five calls. But if in having those calls, you realize, no, this guy can really make a difference for me. Now you're willing to pay a higher percentage of, the value that you think you're going to get. And we can have a very specific conversation actually about the value. What is the value that you think that this work together is going to create? And would you be willing to pay some fraction of that for it? And what's interesting is by the time, if, if I do this process right, about the second or third call, people are like, no, Brad, I got to pay you for this. Like, you got to tell me how I pay for it. And I said, well, I can't tell you yet because we got to figure out what it is that we're going to do. And so by the time I'm giving them the proposal, they're, they're wanting to pay for it. <laughs> I love it. It's a great model. And, and you know, I, it's something that I saw early, early on 
you know, it is the best salespeople in the agency land um, did that model, yeah. right? It's, it's, you start small, get them some results and you build and build and build. Don't go for the, because if you go through the jugular right away, even if you close the deal, it's, it's a, then it's like the, it's like at the top of the roller coaster, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And in, and in fact, if you build, then, then it's the opposite. The client's like, no, I want more. I want more. Like they, they're asking you because they can see that you can make a difference. They're asking you for more. And you know, what point, how are you deciding what's enough? <laughs> Because, you know, it, it's, you know, it's some people have that and they kind of go, oh, I don't want to get too big. And I don't want to, and some people are like, I want to be a hundred million dollar agency. But I think, I mean, I know for myself, I, sh I am too big at the beginning and it really hurt our growth because it was like, you know, and, but it, you've, you also have to be ambitious yep. and go, I, I've got to look because if you're not trying to grow, you're, you're sliding back. So how do you, how do you, what's, is there a process to deciding that? Man, there's a lot of processes for deciding that. I want to go back and tell a story that I think illustrates how to work with that. One of my very first clients gave me a huge gift. She said, Brad, I want to grow my business, but I don't want to, I, I don't like to manage. So I don't want to have more than 10 people, which she had 12 people at the time we were talking. She's like, I don't want to have more than 10. I'm like, you know, we're already kind of, she's like, this is it. This is as many as I want to have. And so working within that constraint to say, okay, we can't have any more people. What kind of growth can we get? And so we focused on, she wanted to grow the, the dollars per employee. So if you take her total sales, divide by the number of employees, she wanted to grow that number. And when we started, it was about 150, 150,000 per employee. And when we finished, she was at almost 500,000 per employee. So we, we tripled the size of her business. Without adding, and I'll take it back. She did make it up to like 15 employees, but still, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. So there are different kinds of things that you can optimize for. I have one client, he, he optimizes for time off. He's like, Brad, I want to be able to take time off. I want to take a month in the summer and take four other weeks during the year. I'm like, great. We'll build you a business so you can maximize for time off. Understanding what it is that you want to grow toward, it doesn't have to be a bigger, bigger, bigger agency. In fact, for most people, it's probably not. Sorry, I need to take a drink. I know I caught you there. <laughs> uh, it, it, this is a lot of people talk about that, and we got to that hustle culture. And I think we're, you know we're at the end of and people are like, wait a second, uh, what was I doing all this work for? And I love the idea of just growing the the value and deciding what you want to do. Now, what holds, I think for me, you know, what holds me back is, is not making that decision and how, you know, what holds back people from saying, yeah, this is what I want. Because I hear that all, I say, Hey, what do you want? And people are like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one thing that, you know, you talk about hustle culture. One thing for me is that I'm always asking clients, what's light and easy for you? Like, I don't want you to be grinding stuff out. and so. You're grinding stuff out. We're, that, we're going the wrong direction. We got to go, go back from that direction. And so that's like, like as you start to look at what's fun and light and easy, that's going to lead you in a certain direction. And we haven't talked about this yet, but I know that, that I'm sure a lot of people have said this on your show. The way to grow an agency isn't to grow wide. It's to grow narrow, right? Yeah. The sharper you focus, 
the better your positioning, the easier it is to gain clients, especially at those higher prices. And so starting to think about what's light and fun and easy for me, that is leading me into that niche where business development gets easier, you can charge better prices, like all the, there, there's a whole compounding positive effect there. And so having the courage to leave some stuff behind, that's really where the hard part is. That, that is, that is so hard for a business it's owner, really right? It's really hard. <laughs> that, I, that's a, leave some stuff behind and having the courage to do that. Yes. Wow. I mean, that's because it's, you know, we, it's sunk costs. People don't want to leave sunk costs. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, that's why you have those stocks in your portfolio that you know you should get rid of, but you're like, oh, I, I really hope Xerox is coming back. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, AMC! <laughs> <laughs> Shh. <laughs> uh, let me check. What's that? Um, anyway, so how, I mean, I guess it, that's what you work through with a coach and consultant, right? Is figuring that out and parsing that out because it's like going through, that's how I am like my garage is full of stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll need this soon and I'll need this soon and I'll need this soon. And I've got this big box of cords. Um, yes! <laughs> that box right <laughs> i actually you... went through uh we, we moved two years ago and when i when i got to the new house and i picked up that big box of cords i'm like no no <laughs> you keep two usb cords and two hdmi cords and a power cord and everything else is going <laughs> uh, and so you know how do you decide what those cords are to keep because you said it's light and easy but it, what if that's not the profitable thing so remember at the beginning we said the clients who say, I'm the problem, those are the people that I want to work with. Once yeah. you realize that, that you become aware that my holding on to the, those things is not serving me, right? It's, it's making it harder for me to get where I need to go. And so we increase the awareness of, the, of, the, of what it's costing you to hold on to those things. And that makes it easier to let go of some of them. And it's it's not like you drop them all at once. Like you let go of one and you pick up something else that's in the direction of light and easy. And you're like, wow, that worked. So then you let go of something else and you pick up something else that's in that. And then, then you're like, okay, let's keep it. Let's go. You know, like you have successes and then you just want to throw everything to the side. <laughs> uh, can you come help clean my garage? Yeah. Uh <laughs> you know, there's this woman, Marie Kondo. She's great at oh, that. Oh God, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> um so okay i've decided you know these are this is the business i want right and i'm like okay i believe this business is is out there um and this is what i want to get now how do i go about getting that business you know what are the what are the fundamentals you see for marketing that type of agency that's you know a high profit or high high profit high happiness business so going back to the idea that you need 20 clients, not 200, right? Like if you close a deal once a month, you're in fat city. And so once you work from that premise, it's not like you need tons of traffic going through some funnel and a video sales letter. And like, that's not the way that you sell one client a month. That's the way you sell. If you need a thousand leads, you don't need a thousand leads. You need five. And so the thing that I tell clients is, what can you do that'll give you conversations with people who could potentially hire you? 
You want to have conversations with people who can potentially hire you. And so all that funnel stuff is keeping people away from conversations. You want to have more conversations. So where are those people who could potentially hire you, and how do you get into conversation with them? That's the conversation we want to be having. That's the direction that we want to be going in. And if you're having conversations who can, with people who can potentially hire you, then you have an opportunity to demonstrate your expertise. Then you have an opportunity to start to show them how you can make a difference for them. And if you're doing this well, you're also throwing some of those people out of the boat. Like you, you have enough leads in that, cat, in that um, way of doing it that you can be selective and you can be picky. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I think that's probably what keeps people, you know, I'm working with attorneys. There's this term, the door, door lawyers. Yeah. And I, I, it's like they, they hire anyone that walks in the door is it's a client. And I think a lot of agencies, because they're not doing what you're talking about, they become door agencies, right? It's just like anyone that walks in, Oh, uh, you want direct mail? Sure. We can do direct sure. mail. Yeah. <laughs> you ever done direct mail? Well, uh, we sent Christmas cards this year. Yeah. <laughs> we can do logos sure yeah we, yeah we can do i mean and, and we can do funnels and we, we've done email i've sent emails <laughs> lots of emails <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I, I think you know this is an awesome piece of advice now what do you have any methodologies that really are working right now to get those conversations going especially in the day of covid where if i show up someone's yes. office that yes you know, and cough exactly. on them, they're, they're probably not going to talk to me the, the, the amazing <laughs> thing actually about covid is that it took away all the things that we thought were easy before going to networking events speaking going to conferences like those were the go-tos for all of my clients well many of my clients um and we can't do those things so we had to find new ways. And it turns out the new ways we found were even easier than those ways. <laughs> so in every industry, there's a place where people go. We call them a watering hole, right? A place where they go to have questions answered. For some, it's LinkedIn. For some, they have a secret Slack group somewhere that everybody's joined. For some, it's the industry association. But there are places that people go when they're stuck and they need help. And if you're in those places and answering people's questions, you'd be surprised how many people would say, oh, that's really great advice. Could you do that for me? And so just being in those places and answering people's questions turns out to produce a surprising number of leads. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's easy. what I said. Like, it, it didn't take, it was, it's not right. I mean, finding the <laughs> watering holes is not easy, especially as you start to get up to where you're operating with bigger businesses you've got to find some very niche watering holes, but they're there because those people have questions that they need to have answered. So there's somebody who's answering those questions for them. This all makes a lot of sense. And I think this is the perfect idea of why you need a coach. And I talk about this all the time because you know, it's, it, it's, you know, you're from Chicago. There's this guy named Michael Jordan who could dribble yeah, and I, shoot. I <laughs> and, and, and he was pretty good at free throws and three pointers. And, <laughs> but he Plus still shots. had, yeah, he, he could do some cool stuff, and he still had coaches, and he still had multiple coaches. Why do you, you know, A, why do you think people don't invest in coaching, and B, how can you maximize the investment in coaching? Because I think that it, that's where the problem is. It's like I invested in the wrong coach or something mm -hmm. like that, but mm -hmm. I'll let you answer the question and let me know because I think that that's important. <laughs> I think it's hard to invest in coaching for some people because they feel like it means I'm doing something wrong or I don't know what I'm doing, 
which to your point is not true. Michael Jordan and, and um, Tiger Woods, I mean, the very best play, people who are at the peak of their profession all use coaches because they know that it helps them to see things that they can't see. And that's really what the value of a coach is. Um, you, you know that experience when you're talking to a client and like in four minutes, you know exactly what their problem is, but they still have 20 more minutes of story to, to go through. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? And we've all had that example, right? Yeah. And that's because yeah. we're standing on the outside looking in, right? Inside their head, it's just not that clear. And so that's the value that a coach brings is that by standing outside, they can help you to, to bring awareness to those things that you already know and, and have answers that, that you know are right because they're coming from inside of you. And, and that's the crazy thing about being a coach is that even though I know a ton about the, the agency business, even if I didn't, I could bring a ton of value to people because I'm just I'm, I'm noticing and being aware of things that they're already aware of. Now, when people get hooked up with a bad coach, and then there are a number of them. I mean, I'm not saying this is an industry that you don't need a license or anything, right? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Pe people listen to your podcast and now they're, they're a coach, right? right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I think, and, uh, you know, given what you said about me at the top, this might not surprise people, but inexpensive coaches are worth every penny that you're paying them, right? Expensive <laughs> coaches are worth every penny that you're paying them. And there's something that happens in you when you decide to pay to get help is that it puts you in a framework where you're going to change things. You're going to do things. You're going to, you're going to follow up from that conversation and do something different the next day. And that's what it's all about. I mean, if I can't get you to do something different, then, then we're not getting anything done. It's about, it's about you changing your behavior going forward. Yeah. And so when you say, you know, a, a, bad coach will cost is, you know, worth every penny. How, how would you identify a bad coach? Like where, where would you go? I think I have a bad coach. Um, one of the things that, that I look for is in a conversation that I have with a coach, what percentage of the time are they talking and what percentage of the time are we talking? If you as the, as the buyer of coaching services are spending most of the time listening, this is probably not a good coaching experience. You're going to spend most of the time talking. And as you're talking, is the person on the other side giving you advice or are they asking you questions and you're having insights and awareness that you didn't have before? That's what good coaches do. Bad coaches are like, you should do this. Here's this exercise, you know, and particularly I, I get very irked by people that have like the 10 point program that they're working you through. Like it yeah. that might work. It, it might work. But uh, only if you f fit a very narrow picture of the person that they're trying to get into their program. That's, I, I wish I'd have gotten that advice 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Bought a few programs. <laughs> and I, I even had one very, very expensive coach that was like, uh, I was like, I don't want to go through the 10 step program. And it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden I'm going through the 10 step program. Yes, exactly. like, <laughs> yes. I, I literally told you that's not what I want to do. <laughs> But on the flip side, I mean, you know, we really haven't talked about your success stories. So tell me about some of your favorite success stories. Because, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're eating your own dog food and, and you have your case studies out there. Yeah, I mean, um, I can think of a couple. I mean, there, there's one uh, group that I met. It was three partners. Um, they probably had eight total employees. Uh, they're off, they were all in the same office, and if they all stood up at the same time, their chairs would collide, and so they, they had to like, 
<laughs> they had to take turns standing up. Um, and for them, uh, they didn't know how to get out of their own way. They, they, there were some basic business practices that we, we got them working on. But then also the communication among the three partners was very problematic. And so as we worked on the communication, one of the partners didn't want to play in that. So he ended up leaving. We got down to two partners. They said, well, you know, one of them was sort of the technical person and the other person was sort of the salesperson and neither of them wanted to do the managing the business stuff. So we helped them to hire a president and they grew their agency after that. They're, they're at 55 people or something like that now. Um, and they're not doing the hard work of, you know, managing the people and the books and all that kind of stuff because they hired somebody to do that for them. And that's what made them happy. And they, they both have a lot of flexibility, a lot of, uh, of independence and their business is really successful. Love it. Love it. And I, I think that's, that's really, really, really important is, I mean, what we talked about earlier, deciding on your monitor of success, because it's so easy to get caught up in saying, well, and is that going to really make you happy? Yeah, that's I, right. I, Cause I, I really think, you know, just, um, there's a lot of people out there that aren't as money driven as they say they are missionary you know i keep coming back to the missionary versus mercenary that mm -hmm. you know jeff bezos talked about yeah jeff bezos grew up obviously one of the biggest companies in the world but he went at a missionary yes. standpoint and same i mean same thing with walt disney right if if he wouldn't and you know and i mean steve jobs for the most part he was like he the only reason he cared about the money is it was a scorecard um so, I mean, do you see that in agencies? Do you see a majority of these people are actually less money motivated than they think they are? I think everybody's fairly money motivated at first because they don't have any money, right? Yeah. Money is like oxygen. If you don't have it, you do anything to get it, right? But then once you have a certain amount of, of money, then other things start to become more important for you. And like you were saying about Steve Jobs, what I try to talk to people about in terms of money is it's the result of having made good choices and served people deeply. And so if you're focused on serving the clients and really making good decisions, the money's going to be there. The money's not the hard part. Um, my, it, back when I was working for somebody else, my boss said, Brad, never worry about the money. There's always somebody who will give you money if you can give them more money back later. The problem is not the money. The problem is a good idea that you can execute well. And if you've got that, somebody will give you the money. Yes. Love that. I think that's a great way to end this. So um, so the best way to work with you, you have a way to even check out if they're at the right phase. Yeah. You go to anchoredadvisors.com slash growth dash phase. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that little So there's a test. little uh, eight to 10 question assessment there that helps you to see what stage you are in growing your business. There, there are different phases that businesses go through as they, as they mature. And um, at the end, it'll, it'll give you, of the assessment, it'll give you some tips about what you need to focus on to get from where you are to the next phase. And so th that's, that's probably the most helpful thing to do starting out. Nice. And the best place to follow you is LinkedIn. Yes, I'm Brad Ferris on LinkedIn, and I, I post there usually three days a week. Three days a week. Nice. Nice. And make sure to follow Brad. And if you reach out to him, tell him you saw him here. And he and this was the best podcast he was ever on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, feel free to DM me at, at at LinkedIn, or you know, you can stop by the site and fill out the contact form. I love to talk to people that are that are owning agencies and looking to grow. So, uh, 
And and you work with, I mean, you're in Chicago and you work with other small businesses too, correct? I do. If I get referred into, you know, I have one law firm client. I have one, um, I'm trying to think. I think there's one other client that's not an agency, but the majority right now, and it's everything. It's, I've got a dev agency. I've got a UI shop. I've got a change management firm. Um, I've got a PR and a web design firm. So, you know, it's all of those expertise-driven businesses. Yes. And be ready to be coached. Be ready to pull out your checkbook. <laughs> oh, Brad, this has been awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Happy to do it. And thank you all for taking Brad and I on your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 